Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. No matter what we've done, no matter how epically we've screwed up, no matter how we feel like maybe there's just no way back, nobody's ever going to let me off the hook for that one, or maybe we just feel like we're so less than everybody. Maybe our body doesn't work like it used to, or our mind doesn't work like it used to, or whatever. Maybe we don't have the financial capabilities that we used to, or we didn't turn out to be the person that we wanted to be. The invitation today is to know him and be known by him and to love him and be loved by him. And I just want to, I'm just going to pray over that. And we're going to get into our message today. But for anybody who today you were feeling a little insignificant, I want you to know that God sees you and he loves you so much. God, today we thank you for that love. We thank you for your heart for us, God. We thank you that everything that we have is from your hands, God. We thank you that the very breath in our lungs today is a gift. And Lord, for any who have even been cursing that breath, who have been even fighting the, the, the draw towards death, we just take authority over that right now in Jesus' name and cut it off. And Lord, I declare life in this house. I declare life over your people. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us the capacity today to understand and receive the gift of life that you've given us. Lord, firstly, the very breath that we have in our lungs, that gift from you. But then more importantly, to know and be known by you, to love and be loved by you, God, to walk in that relationship. I thank you that our eternal picture comes alive when we come to know you. And I thank you, Lord, that nobody here, nobody online listening is listening by accident today. That God, each one is seen by you, known by you, and loved by you. And Lord, today we thank you that as we go into your word and we study, Lord, that you teach us new ways of engaging you, new ways of walking with you, that something would come alive in us. I thank you, Lord, for those who maybe even have known you for a long time, that any dormant spots would come alive today. And we step into it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, on that note, thank you, Jesus. Today we're kind of picking up with a part two from last week. Last week I talked about how um, we are on purpose as a church, on purpose the body of Christ is meant to swim upstream. We are, we are going against the consumer mentality and we are meant to be producers. We are meant to be, instead of what can I get out of everything, it's what can I give, what's in me, what's... what's you know, the deposit that God's put on my life to leave wherever I go. And it's, a, it's such a shift. It's some, something that, like, because we're raised up in it, because our society has put that in there right from the very, very beginning, any social interactions that you have, even toddlers, it's very me-based. It's very self-based. And the things of God are very outwardly focused. It's very servant-based. It's very serving-based. And so we want to lean into that a little bit. And last week we talked about how the shift is, instead of asking what's in it for me, it's asking what's in me for you, right? That mindset, that shift is pretty enormous right there. As soon as you start looking at situations and, and I mean... I literally, last week, I literally talked about, you know, when you go to a restaurant and the server's having a bad day, you know, tip them extra because you, you so. 
you got to know everything that, that gets preached here gets tested. Yesterday, Wayne and I were in a restaurant, and it was like the poor girl couldn't get a thing right. Like, it was, it was unbelievable. And then we started listening, and we realized she's apologizing at every single table she goes, has gone to. How many of you have been, you've been a server at some point? Right, you know that feeling. Like you fall behind on one or two tables and that is it. Until there's a full swap out of the restaurant, you are hooped. So we on purpose, it was like, oh Lord, okay. On purpose, it's like, how's your night going? It looks like it's been a little bit of a rough run. She's like, yeah, I've only been here two weeks and the, the girl who's supposed to be training me just got sent home because her babysitter had to go home and I don't even know what I'm doing and whatever. And it was like, okay, like, you know, so we got an opportunity just to bless her a little bit and like, yes, still tip her, even though we're like, not, you know. <laughs> you, you have these opportunities when you shift into the I'm here to be a blessing, not just I'm here to be blessed mindset, right? That in every one of these awkward situations, whatever it looks like, you can pause and say, okay, what's in me for you? What can I offer right now? What, what little seed can I sow into your life that might make a difference for you today? So that is the producer mentality. And today we're going to shift into the growth mindset. And the growth mindset, man, we love the concept of growth. We just don't usually love the process. <laughs> right? Anybody like we we don't we don't like what it takes to grow. We don't like how it it challenges us and how we're we're drawn into things that we maybe aren't super comfortable with, but growth is necessary and growth is part of the journey that God's got us on. So I want to look at this um, right from the very beginning because the reality is all of humanity actually desires this kind of thing. All of humanity actually desires to be a producer. In other words, somebody who helps or has some ability to provide some significance for others. And every person craves growth. Nobody ever goes, you know what, I actually just, I've peaked at 19. And that's, I'm good till 90. Like, that's all I want out of my life. I, ne I never want to experience it. Nobody does that, right? It's why we watch the movies of like the, the football heroes and the hockey heroes and the people who have done amazing things and gone against the odds. People who have achieved and experienced. People who have led well and done well. We, we, we study those things. We read about them. We watch them because it's in us. We crave it. Whether you know Jesus or not, you crave significance. You crave that place of growth and value. Um, there's this beginning thing, and not everybody believes the Bible, but I'm assuming that because you're in this room, you do, or you're about to. So, <laughs> in the very beginning, before anything went wrong, before the first sin, before the first death, before the first epic screw up that happened for all of time that we're all living with still. Um, is Genesis 1. So if you are new to the Bible, it's literally at the beginning. And we read this in this house, we read this like it's, it's history. This is, this is, this is what happened. This is where we came from. But Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 to 28, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So I want you to just pause there, right there. Let us make man in our image. 
I don't think I'm worth anything. I suck. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin, blah, blah, blah. If you are here, you are made in the image of God. So straight up, step one is stop it. Stop cursing it. What you are is made in the image of God. And that's even before people know God. Before they come to a revelation of Jesus, we are made in the image of God. There is not a baby born who doesn't have the fingerprint of God on his life. There's not a life that comes forth into this earth that doesn't carry the basic nature, the basic, the basic development that God put in from the very beginning. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And then it goes on and it says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So before anything had gone right or wrong, just the core materials of what should be there is the creation of God and the blessing of God to be fruitful and multiply. That we as mankind carry the, 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 the makeup of God. We carry the image of God. And we are meant to fill the earth, subdue it. We have a purpose. We have an assignment. In Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord took man and put him in the garden to tend it and keep it. So I want you to catch this. For everybody who thinks you don't want to be employed and you just want to be independently wealthy, you were created to, for work before the fall. Just so you know, you are created to do stuff and feel good in what you do. You are created to actually produce and enjoy the fruit of your labors. That is not sin related. That is how you are made. So this is why the ongoing, like, let's leave everybody on some kind of a, uh, we just want the lottery system is so dangerous. It's so contrary to our makeup. Our makeup is to desire, to create, to do, to steward, to, to, to fill the earth and take joy in that, to delight in it, to feel good at the end of a good day's work. I always feel like I never actually farmed. I just live off Wayne's stories. I think farming's very hard. Where's Jeff and Daylene? Yeah, you guys, did you finish? Yes. I mean, Elma and Harvey, that's like hard work. Plus when it's dry, plus the fires are stirring up, plus there's a time, like it's pretty intense. So um, this fill the earth and subdue it thing from the beginning, like it's been, it's been hard work. It increased the sweat and the toil attached to it increased post sin. But the enjoyment of working was there from the beginning. And I always think, like Wayne tells me, I don't know if it's actually true, but the Psychologically, it's definitely true. <laughs> it's a vote of confidence there. That the best meals on the planet are served out of the back end of a pickup truck in the middle of a field. That's what I've heard. Is that true? Yeah, so I 
don't know how many of you grew up on farms, but that's what I hear. So every time I see, look out in a field and you see like a combine parked and you see, you know what, you see like a pickup truck there and it's like, oh, they're having the best meal of their year right there. Why? Because they've been working hard and they're enjoying the fruit of their labors and in the midst of the, the hard work and the producing is the enjoyment of a job well done, right? There's the enjoyment of each other's company, the celebration in the midst of the hard stuff. And that's actually, it's something that we were made to enjoy the stuff that, that we do. And so when we look at this and we look that we are made in the, in the image of God, we know that God has put stuff in us that gives him pleasure as well. And breaking it down, it tells us that God has given us dominion, which means to subjugate, prevail against, or to reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We've actually been given instruction to reign over these things. To This was before sin. This was before... You know, and anything bad happened. From the very beginning, our design is to take care of these things. One of my favorite verses is actually um, where it says in Proverbs that, that um, you know, a man after God takes good care of his animals. Like, I think it matters to God that we are kind to our animals, that we take care of what has been placed in our hands, that we're not harsh and hard with it. And so that's actually the design. That's the part of us that's made in God's image. It says that we were blessed. He blessed them to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it. So we were blessed to be fruitful which means to bear fruit, bring forth, increase, or grow. We were blessed to multiply, to increase, to be in abundance, to enlarge, to grow up. And we were blessed to fill the earth and subdue it. And to subdue it means to guard, to protect, or preserve. This is what we as people were designed to do. And so that means that in each one of us, there is this craving to actually be significant, to have stewardship over something, to, to see growth, to see increase, to see something be, you know, be fruitful out of our lives. We crave it. The problem is, without God... When, when, when man fell, when sin happened, we lost the object of what that was for. So there's a, there's a gap that happens. And so we still see people living their lives like passionately pursuing growth and increase. And, and I, I need to make something of my life. I need to be somebody. I need to do something. But it's tainted and it's twisted because it's off of the original design. The core material is there, but the focus is now incorrect. So when we talk kingdom of God, we're talking about actually partnering with who God's made us to be in the first place and not what mankind has drifted into through sin. Does that make sense? So this is going to help us understand the process that's going on in our own hearts and minds and what our significance is as the church in the earth today. Because the core design never changed. The core assignment never changed. People did because people became born into sin, lived out of a sin nature, and things got a little screwed up. So, number one, the point we need to understand is growth is normal. 
growth is actually normal and necessary. And that's like, there comes a point where physically we want to stop, but uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, developmentally, there is always growth. And sometimes I think what happens is that we hit this point in, in our biology where we stop growing as a person, we become an adult. And now, because I'm physically stopping growing, I don't, I don't have anything else to learn. I'm an adult now. I know stuff. And now I can't develop. Now I can't change. Now I, what, I, what I have is what I have. Everything that I'm living is the product of my upbringing and product of my mistakes or, or good choices up until now, and it is what it is. I did or did not go to university, or I did or did not make right choices in my, my relationships, whatever. And we'll just park there. And I'm an adult, and now I'm done growing. But growth is normal. We see it from the beginning when God says, be fruitful and multiply, increase, fill the earth, subdue it. Growth is what we're made for. We actually should be hungry for growth and change until the day we leave this earth. So that's exciting. That means that you don't have to just look around and be like, well, I'm not who I was. You know, it's all downhill from here. No, if you're still breathing, there's still purpose. There's still opportunity to grow, which is very, very exciting. Um, Everything in God tends towards increase. We talk about this, and the consumer mindset harnesses that increase to material things. But the increase of God is broader than that. So the um, consumer mindset means that if if I believe that I'm made for growth and I believe that I'm made for increase, that it's all about self betterment, it's about more stuff. It's about more safety, more comfort, more, you know, more stuff that makes me feel more of me. But growth in God is the stuff where from the beginning, be fruitful and multiply. And there's a transaction that's happening as you multiply and you are increasing. It's because you're in the image of God. And so that increase is credit to his account, not yours. There's a difference here. Consumerism and the consumer mentality pulls on that. I want to grow, I want to grow, I want to grow, I want to grow because I want to be better. The the concept of growth as a producer mentality is I want to grow because I'm made in the image of God and I am meant to fill the earth, subdue it, be fruitful, multiply. There's meant to be fruit coming out of my life that is going to change the world. I literally, I know I say it all the time and it sounds like grandiose, but I believe that I'm looking at a room full of people that are called to change the world. I 100% believe that. And it might not be you're going to change like, you know, lives of hundreds of thousands of people, but what about your family? What about your household? What about your neighborhood? What about your workplace? What about your sphere of influence? I believe every one of us is called to change those places for the good. That the growth in our life is learning to be about producing into those places and and serving God into those places rather than looking at how I am being served. There's a shift that God's calling us into. And this growth is meant to be natural. I was thinking, um, you know, the last couple weeks, obviously, we saw a ton of those super cute pictures at the beginning of school. Everybody's like, hi, my name is so-and-so, you know, whatever. Hi, I'm Becky. I'm in grade three. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut, you know, whatever. Um, And it's so cute. And I love it when parents put the side-by-side ones, and it's like you see the development. One of our girls, for the longest time, what do you want to be when you grow up? A porcupine. (laughs) 
Okay. Not sure where we go to school for that, but let's, let's see if that shakes out before the next school picture. Um, but there's this weird thing that happens. If you, if you see this and, and you see like, hi, my name is Jessica, I'm in grade three, and when I grow up, I want to be a superhero. Um, but I'm 47. It's a problem. You know, there comes a point where if growth is not happening, we start to see dysfunction. Right? We start to be like, okay, there's something that's actually not firing on all cylinders there. Like something, something's wrong. In the things of God, when we are healthy in God, we are growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And we continue to have bigger and bigger and bigger vision and perspective and our capacity for others and the things of God moving in our lives grows and grows and grows. If you are, hi, I'm so-and-so and I've been saved for 30 years and I'm still a new believer, it's a problem. We can fix the problem though, but I'm just saying it's a problem. It's not something that is normal. Growth is normal. And so it should be that we develop along the path. And if, if something's amiss and we haven't been growing, I'm just saying this is the year that that changes. This is the year we dig into this, right? So growth is natural, growth is healthy, and growth produces fruit. Um, Rick Warren has poached a, a phrase, um, he, he says it quite a bit in some of his stuff, that healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. And his perspective on that is that essentially if we're worried about growth, like church growth or personal growth or business growth or whatever, if you focus on the growth, you actually have a problem. You focus on the health and the health will automatically create the growth. So if we focus on growth, we actually can be a little bit toxic in it. But if we focus on health and healthy things grow, then we can see if I'm not growing, maybe I'm not healthy. And so I want to dig into that a little bit. So where I say he's poached it is actually um, the guy from Promise Keepers, James Ryle, put the whole thing together. So this is an older statement, but this is how it goes. Healthy things grow. We like that. Growing things change. Changing things challenge us. Challenge forces us to trust God. Trust leads to obedience. Obedience makes us healthy, and healthy things grow. I mean, let's, let's just leave that up there for a minute. This, we're all like, first one, healthy things grow. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Let's, I can see I need to work on my personal health. Growing things change. Darn it. Changing things challenges us. Isn't that the truth, right? Challenge forces us to trust God. So, some, if you just like watch this process, honestly, it's so easy to just check out on any one of those phases and be like, no, no, I'd rather be unhealthy then. If this is what it's going to take, I don't think I want to do that. But you were made for it. You were fashioned for it. Your internal self craves this process. This is literally what Adam and Eve walked through. This, this was the journey that they were intended for at the beginning, and this is the journey we're intended for in God. Healthy things grow. Growing things change. Change is not a cuss word. Really? Like Craig Rochelle says, actually, people don't hate change. They, they hate the ways we try to change them. 
And I think that that's so true. It's if we understand the why of what we're doing, we're much more willing to do it. Right? A lot of us would do the health measures that we would, we would uh, you know, have been wanting to do or whatever if we really knew that there was a medically you know, dominant reason for doing it or whatever, financial things. We would live on a budget properly if we knew the why of it. The things of God, if you are intended to grow, like honestly, isn't it, isn't it debilitating? If you just pause and think for a second. I've learned everything I'm ever going to learn. I've experienced all the good stuff I'm ever going to experience. And I'm just going to ride out the rest of my days on this fuel. Like, don't you just want out? Like, right there, don't you just want out? Honestly, I feel like so much of the things where people are, are craving an exit from this life, it's founded in the lack of understanding of purpose. And this, this is purpose. It's the, it's the purpose that I'm actually, if I'm healthy, if I'm, if I'm walking in God, if things are going well in me, I am growing. And growing means I'm always going to change. And changing things will challenge me. And I love the burn. And challenge forces us to trust God. In other words, I'm digging up new scriptures that I never had to look at before. Because now I'm like, how does this work? I have no idea how to stand in this. I have no idea how to walk this through. I have no idea how to solve this problem. And so I trust God. And I hang on to his word. And trust leads me to obedience. So I begin to step out then in the things that he's called me to do instead of wishing and thinking boy I sure hope somebody does something about that because if it's been flagged for you it's probably meant to be you obedience makes us healthy and then healthy things grow this cycle goes over and over and over and over for the rest of your life. That's how it's intended to be. This process is what then produces, develops, can be defined as ministry. And this is fascinating. So number two, growth is normal, but number two, ministry is normal. And last week we talked about this concept of, you know, it's not just those who work at the church that are called to ministry. It is everybody. We are all called to ministry. And in fact, fundamentally, Genesis 1, 2, 3, before the fall, mankind was called to ministry. We just screwed it up. You know, and the enemy came in and he said, I'm going to use your raw materials for my benefit. I'm going to take the tools that God put in you when he made you in his image, and I'm going to use them for my benefit. So as long as the enemy can keep us looking at the brokenness, at the fallenness, as the, at the sinfulness, he will keep us ignorant of the call of God upon our lives. And I'm telling you, legitimately, every single person in this building has a call of God upon their lives. Every single person. We are not going to employ you all. <laughs> Just to clarify. And, and this is one of the things. There's, I believe there's been a disservice in the body of Christ. And we talked about it a little bit last week. But I want to push into it a little bit further. 
the idea that if you are called to vocational ministry or to actually step out of the workforce and work in a, um, you know, a church or a ministry of some kind, that that is somehow the pinnacle of what it is that we're all aiming for. It's not. It's just a different assignment. It's not. Every single person has been marked by God with a purpose. Every single person is called to a ministry. And interestingly, this is not new. Um, there's a whole principle within the Protestant Reformation called the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. And what it essentially meant was up until this period of time, and we're talking a couple hundred years ago now, um, people believed that any interaction with God had to be via a person. Like had to be via a priest, had to be via somebody who had direct contact with God. And the revelation came that honestly God has made us as people to know him and make him known. That we experience him and we carry him out into the world around us. That we are called to be kings and priests. It means every single one of us, the things that are in you, the giftings, the abilities, the talents, they are meant for God's glory. And they are meant to create a space where there's a crossover. Now, interestingly enough, we'll say, I mean, I grew up kind of church world, so we'll say, you know, are you being called into the ministry? What do we mean by that? We usually mean, are you being called to work at the church? But also, in politics, we have these things called ministries. So somebody might be an MLA or an MP, but they're not necessarily a minister. A minister is somebody who takes a position that is the bridge person between the intentions of the government and the general population. Let that sit for a minute. There is a governmental position where people or a system, a, an organization, say the Ministry of Defense, the Ministry of Finance, the Ministry of Health, it's a group of people who come together with the assignment of taking the intentions of the government and releasing them to the general population. When the body of Christ comes together and we all have this assignment and we recognize we're called to ministry, we realize our job is not to just stand on a street corner and preach, which we also saw this weekend in the city. Super ineffective. Um, but uh, your job, our job is to come together and we have this position where we get to provide a bit of a bridge or an access point between the intentions of our government, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and the general population. And some of us will be desk people, some of us will be finance people, some of us will be out there in customer service, customer relations people. We will have different assignments within that ministry, but we are all carrying out the work of the ministry, which is conveying the intentions of the king to the needs of the people. Come on, that is so cool. That is so cool. And where our democratic system, I believe, has it upset, upside down, is that we believe that the government works for the people, but in the kingdom of God, the ministry works for the king. Yeah. 
It's reverse. And so it's not about, Paul says, if I was worried about pleasing man, I wouldn't be able to please God. So we have to switch our thinking. And my job as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which all of you have, it's, it's not to please people, but it's to please God and to help God's message get to where it needs to go. Isn't that cool? It means it doesn't matter what you do for a living. What you carry is the assignment of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And everything you do, every person that you meet with, every conversation that you have has the capacity to carry a message from the government to the people. It has the capacity to be a ministry. It's so cool. So the original design is in there it still exists that craving for growth that craving to be fruitful to multiply to fill the earth and subdue it bring things into order bring things into the right function bring things into a place where they are they are as they are supposed to be adam and eve from the beginning were meant to take that what they i mean they came in you you know that thing um that we say I hope you say it to your family. But essentially, if you're going to borrow it, bring it back as in good a shape or better. Right? Essentially, that's what God said to Adam. Here it is. Now be fruitful and multiply and increase it. I'm giving you this. Let's see you make it better. Let's, let's see you do something with what it is I've given you. So that is in us. But what happens is we tend to attach it to earthly thinking man's systems, man's kingdoms. If the ministry is essentially to connect the general population to the thing uh, that is governing it, if my governing entity is mammon, my governing entity is pride, my governing entity is perversion, then I will use what is basically the tools of ministry that is in my design and the enemy will fuel it and that will be what the people experience through my life. Shocking, right? It is literally the fact that the, the mechanics are there. What people experience from us is going to have everything to do with who we're honoring who we're serving, what we realize the ministry is actually for. As children of Christ, as, as believers in God, as followers of God's sons and daughters of our heavenly father, it's not really up for debate. The source, the one who we are drawing from, the one who we represent is the king of glory. What should be coming out of the other side should draw people towards him. It's this really cool thing. But if, again, if healthy things grow and what's growing out of my life is actually weeds, it's possible that what's on the other side here is not correct. So this is what God's drawing us towards. It's this, this thing that he's calling us towards. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, we talked about this last week, and let's read it again. Because this is really our focus this year. We're leaning into it to make sure that we all understand what it is that we're doing here. Why are you here? 
Starting at verse 11, and we're going to go down to 16, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. So that is either those who are fulfilling those roles specifically or those who are serving those roles. So essentially, this house, this church, you know, organization, we are fulfilling these roles. So wherever you serve in this house, this is what what you're doing. You're joining this group for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So this breakdown here, it says specifically in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, ministry here is the word uh, diakonia, which is the work of bringing service or acting as a go-between. So literally, that's the breakdown of it. It means that the work of this church, like when you come together, when we come into this place, our job is to equip you for the work of bringing service, acting as a go-between. We practice it in this house. And then it carries on into our whole lives. We experience it in a measure here. We develop things here and it fulfills the purpose of what this body is supposed to be. But then the body of Christ on a whole begins to carry out a message out there. It's the crossover of the ministry. It says in this passage that we see the development of ministry happening in the body of believers. The work, service, love, and the body in operation together brings about wholeness of who we are, so that we would be the measure of the fullness of the stature, or sorry, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It means that when we learn to live out the instructions of Christ within the body, in the ministry inside of the church, we develop to the point that our ministry outside can be effective. This crossover, this understanding, why do I need to volunteer in church? Well, let me ask you, are you effective minister in your workplace? Are you effective workplace, uh, effective minister in your neighborhood? Are you effective minister in your family, in your household? Are you an effective minister in the public places that you go? We get to develop these things together here. And this body has its own corporate assignment that's made up with a whole bunch of other personal assignments, things that will branch out of here, but this is meant to be the place where we grow and we develop. It's like any family dynamic. You know, your kids learn the best, the core stuff of life, they learn it in the safety of family, right? They do something, you know, they color on a wall or whatever, you know, you're not happy about it, but you can't throw them out, <laughs> right? 
You cannot expel your kids from the family. Like there's learning, there's development that happens in the safety of the family where people love you and will call out the best in you. And as we see that growth happen, we we see um, kids shift from, I need food, I need to be cared for, I need my diaper changed, I need somebody to make my bed, I need somebody to take me somewhere, to you start to see teenagers and you know mid-aged kids and they're loading the dishwasher and they're cooking supper and they're mowing the lawn and they're learning to drive and they're beginning to do stuff that will develop them to be functioning members of society, right? People who never had that kind of a, an upbringing, who never were trained in anything, really struggle as adults because it's so hard to catch it after the fact. So we can say, like, I met Jesus and now I just want to tell everybody about him. You probably just end up blowing people's faces off and not being super effective. But if you get plugged into a body and we begin ministering or being of service to one another within the body and the fivefold ministry draws out and trains and equips you and then you say and now I want to go back into this place and I want to share this Jesus who I met and who I know and who loves me it can be effective it can be fruitful your healthy life will bear good fruit and that's a promise but you want to make sure that you're healthy first so that you can bear good fruit does that make sense so this crossover this is not you know just some some theory, it's literally how Jesus told us to do it. John 13, 35, this is, uh, Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Why would he say that? Because it's so easy for us to just go and, you know, just love on some needy person out there and we feel like we're, we're feeling good about it and it's so nice of us to be able to help them out of a pit and whatever. It is really hard in the company of believers, in the family of faith, when somebody who you consider a brother or sister basically shivs you in the back. Oh yeah, if you're new here, it happens sometimes. Um, because we're people and it's family and stuff happens, right? People say stuff, do stuff, accidents happen, you know, whatever. But in family, in this place of community where the body of Christ, when we learn to love one another, in the places where it's, it's hard to, in the places where we maybe expect a lot, where we, we're hoping for more and that didn't really come through and we're all growing together. When that is seen, love becomes the anthem of our life and the product is, other people see you're unusual and they believe that Jesus is who he said he was crossover it's the same thing when Jesus said that, that you go out and you'll be witnesses to me you will be your life will be proof that I exist Matthew 5 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven let your light so shine before men so again, we practice in-house, but we also practice out there. I just, I'm going to just toss this out there because we're going we're gonna to grate on these things this year. And you're going to love it because change is necessary and growth is necessary and all these good things, right? We're, we're not going to run away from it. But if your coworker was to die today, tomorrow... 
Would you be concerned about their eternal situation? And if you would be, are you living your life or expressing yourself in such a way that you would feel comfortable addressing them about their eternal situation? Or if you said to them, you know, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, go to church every Sunday, I love the Lord, and um, I just love you enough, like, I, I, can, I can see you're going through a hard time. Could I pray for you? Would your coworkers be like, seriously? You go to church? Dude, no idea. Never would have pictured you for a church person. Not my job to convict, that's the Holy Spirit's job. I'm just saying, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We are made for this. We are crafted for this. We are made to grow and develop and change. Perfect? No. But we do not want to be making the same mistakes now as we did five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. We made a mistake, now move on. Let's change, let's grow, let's develop, let's learn, let's trust, let's experience the goodness of God and then let's grow again. This is the call, right? This is the call and it literally is shifting to it's about more than me. Because if it's about me, then I'm okay to be average. I'm okay to be better than some people. You know, I'm no saint, but it could be worse. (laughs) Heaven doesn't grade on a curve. You know? You know him or you don't. Like, there's there's a development that we walk through. So this plan that he calls us to, if it's the ministry that we're all called to, do you know it takes the edge off, I wanted to be in ministry, but I never got an opportunity. I stepped out, started a ministry, it failed, so I, I guess I'm not in ministry. You breathing? You in ministry. That's how that goes. All right. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now let's just stop there for a minute. If anyone is in Christ, not if anyone is in Christ 25 plus years. Not if anyone is in Christ, graduated from Bible school, has eight, 10 years of effective ministry under their belt, they are a new creation. No, if anyone's in Christ, that means if you don't yet know Jesus today and we introduce you to him at the end of the service, this will be you. God can make things new in a moment. We just learn then to grow into that. So, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Interesting. The Amplified then says, so that by our example, we might bring others to him. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Wow. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation. And literally the Greek word reconciliation means exchange, restoration to divine favor. It means that if I am walking in the ministry of reconciliation, I know that there has been made a way through Jesus Christ. For even though the world is falling apart, even though people are in pain, even though people are hurting each other, even though people feel lost, Jesus has paid the price that nobody has sinned to the point that it's not without repair or not without his restoration coming in. It's not without his forgiveness. It's not without the price that has been paid. So every single one of us, we can look at the person who is the worst of the worst. You know, we, we like to categorize people. And it's like, well, this person's just got a temper problem and this person has killed eight people. Sin is sin. Falling short of God's mark is sin. End of story. The price has been paid to reconcile us to God. But most of us don't know that. Most of us walking through life are trying to do better. Trying to, we have a, an underlying sense of right or wrong or like good or bad or whatever. But we don't always know that there is a place where we can be reconnected with our very life source. Enter the church. The ministers of reconciliation, we don't actually do anything. We just introduce the one who did to the ones who need him. We're, we're the ones in the gap. We have this ability just through the lives that we live, how we go about the assignments on our lives. Next week, we're going to talk about our giftings. But how we go about life, we're those ones with the ministry of reconciliation where we get to say, you know what? Do you know Jesus? He can change everything for you. I would have loved to chase down that girl in the mall the other day who was obviously hurting, obviously hurting herself, and say, like, do you know how loved you are? It's kind of super weird in public places like that to do that, but you, you've all got people in your lives who need to hear that. You are so loved. You are so seen. You are so known by God. I know you feel like crap. I know you feel like what you've done is beyond repair. But did you know that I also have seen? But do you know that the Bible actually says Jesus paid the penalty for us and the only thing we have to do to accept it is to say yes? To, to believe in him, to receive him and to turn? to start walking in a different direction under the power of the, the Holy Spirit. We, we get to have a change. What if the person next to you, yeah, they got a drinking problem. Yeah, they got an anger problem. Yeah, they've got issues with their, their marriage and they're just like at the end of their selves. What if the reason that is there is because they hate themselves so much? What if the reason that they're acting out and numbing themselves is because they really just wish they were dead? What if they feel like, you know what, I was never raised by anybody who loved me or nurtured me and I don't have any idea how to do this. So yeah, of course I come home at the end of the day and I mess up with my kids and I mess up with my spouse, but nobody taught me. So I'm just going to find my way into a bottle and wake up tomorrow and try and get through another decade. What if you have the answer? 
What if you've been given the word of reconciliation? What if you've been given the ministry of reconciliation? You're like, I'm just a plumber. I got nothing. I mean, I don't, I'm not in the ministry. I'm just a plumber. Maybe to the guy in the truck next to you, you are the ministry of reconciliation. Right? I'm just a janitor. I don't, I don't do anything. Maybe to the teacher that you hear crying in the office as you go past with your broom, maybe you have a word of reconciliation. Maybe, maybe to the person that you hear yelling in the hallway down the, the, the apartment block from you, screaming, maybe you actually have a word of reconciliation. I've got one of those right now. Where we live, there's, a, there's a, definitely a family situation. Every time I hear the screaming start, I just go into intercession about it. And I feel like I can either complain about it or I can go down there and I don't think it would be safe to engage the situation. But I absolutely can be a minister of reconciliation in the midst of that and pray them through it. And usually within probably a minute to a minute and a half, it just dies right down. So I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing there, but something's happening, right? And, and what if... What if we got off of thinking that some people are these elevated Christians and we realize that if you've been given life and life abundantly, you carry it for others too. What if we realize that if we've been forgiven and loved much, we can walk in that. We can carry it. We can minister it. And it doesn't mean you have to get on a soapbox. It means live a life that prepares a bridge for you to share the ministry of the king of glory to the one that needs it, right? So cool. Jim Bergen says, if health and growth don't coexist, toxicity is inevitable. If health and growth do not coexist, toxicity is inevitable. In other words, if we're just focused on growth and we don't look at the health of our heart, it's just a matter before it blows up. So if we are after the earthly growth, if we are after earthly triumphs, if we're after earthly victories that are just, you know, man-made, man-driven, man-measured, it's just toxic. But if there's a health on the inside and we're putting a draw on the right thing, the right one, everything can change. We're going to close with this verse today, 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. If I could, you know, the old days where you see, you know, in the old movies that it's, um, they set up those recruitment tables because somebody says we're going to war and it's like calling all able-bodied men, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if I could just recruit for ministry, I feel like sometimes that's the thing is we, we do introduce, like you need to know Jesus and, and you need to meet him. What you need to know about that whole thing is that it's going to change your whole future. You're going to meet him. He's going to love you. You're going to receive that love. You're going to realize that you're not worthy of it. And he's going to forgive you. And you're going to experience the cleansing and the liberty and the freedom. And then you're going to wonder what to do with it. And you're going to find out that you've just been recruited into something that's bigger than you. And you now are part of a body where we're going to raise you up and we're going to train you. And we're going to fire you back out there because you have an assignment. You're part of a ministry. You are in the ministry. So let's stand up together. Can I have the worship team come?
you know, nobody is disqualified from carrying Jesus. Sometimes we, we can have circumstances in our life where maybe our choices have disqualified us from certain types of situations. You know, kind of like you, you, you got a drug charge, you might not be able to cross the border kind of thing. Like so, sometimes there are life things that block us a little bit from certain methods. But what we're getting to here today is that you carry somebody and you carry an assignment. And so sometimes we can get stuck on the, I'm, I'm never gonna be able to do that thing because, because my life choices, because my age, because my opportunities, because my whatever. What I want you to hear is that there is nothing that disqualifies you from carrying the presence of Jesus wherever you go. None of us are ejected from the ministry. We might be excluded in some way just because of earthly systems from certain opportunities, but it doesn't change the fact that you carry the King of glory wherever you go. The enemy of your soul would love you to feel less than, to feel unqualified, to feel disadvantaged, to feel like a mess up, to feel unworthy. I just want you to know today, if you have breath, you have purpose. You are loved. You have an opportunity to know him and be known by him. I don't know if there's anybody in the room today that needs to meet Jesus. You need to say yes to God. I'm gonna have everybody just close your eyes for a moment. But maybe right off the get-go, you're here like, I, I, I need what you actually were talking about. I don't feel like I know God. I feel broken. I feel like I need to know Jesus. And I'm gonna ask you if that's you this morning, would you just put up your hand for a moment? We're gonna pray a prayer together, but I just wanna know how many need to specifically pray that today. If you're, you're needing to say yes to Jesus, just hold your hand up for a moment. Yeah, I see that hand. I see those hands. Yeah, I see that hand in the back. Anybody else today? Nobody is too far gone. Anybody else in the room today? Okay. We're going to pray together. And for some, this might just be a recommitment, but you're needing to just connect yourself to that lifeline. So I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, and we're going to just make the decision, make the choice, and step into this place of knowing Him where everything can change. So just repeat after me, Father God, I come before you today and I choose to thank you for the breath in my lungs that I am here today and that you see me and that you know me and you love me. And I receive that today by faith. And I know God, that I've fallen short of what you expect and I have sinned but God I believe 
that you died for me, that you rose again, that you paid the price for my freedom and my forgiveness. Even though I don't deserve it, you offer it. And so God, today, I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, make me new, and I declare, I choose you. I choose to know you. I choose to live for you. And I believe what your word says, that I am now a new creation, known by you, loved by you, free in you. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, so good. Now this morning, when we are, we're going to do this final song. I'm going to have Pastor George come over here at the bottom of the cross. Um, and if you prayed that prayer today, you were one of the ones that put your hand up. Would you just meet him and uh, Pastor Brad and Linda probably as well? Just over here, we just want to pray with you. We want to get you started with a, a go pack on that one. I want to invite um, anybody this morning. You just kind of need a release off of some of the blockages even on your own mind of what it is God has called you to do and be. You have felt absent. You've felt separated from this stuff. And if that's if that's you, you've, you've really been struggling with the ministry and your calling and, you know, purpose. I'm going to invite you this morning when we, as we're singing this song, just to come up to the front and we're going to do a group prayer together. Um, after that, our prayer teams are going to pray for people one-on-one. -on -one. But if you, if you feel like, you know, you just need a release into who you are, into that calling, into that purpose, come on to the front and we'll do a group prayer together. But um, just know today, you have breath, you are known by God, you have purpose. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you're one of his kids, you're in the ministry. And so growth is not optional. Health is not optional and change is inevitable. So saddle up. Lord, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for your invitation. And God, today I just pray a, a freeing and a liberating for each one who has struggled even with their own calling, their own purpose, their own sense of destiny. God, the blockages or perceived blockages that they've encountered. I thank you that today there's a shift. And God, we just pray that as we go from this place that you minister to each heart, that you awaken in us that which you see, that which you have planted for your purposes. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.